And welcome to the David and Ronald Show podcast. Happy fall, Ronald. Happy fall, David. How's it going? It's good. Sunny today, nice and warm. It's going to actually be kind of summer-like, but I think when you have the warm weather in the fall, it's not quite as hot as the summertime. But you see that change, and we've talked about this in the past, where sometimes you watch the sun, how the sun starts to shift when you look at it out your window. During the summer months, for example, the sun will be more overhead. And then in the fall, heading into winter, the sun kind of comes through your windows if you have that alignment. That's one thing that I've noticed more over the last few years is you pay more attention to the sunlight. You pay more attention to in the mornings when it's lighter, when it's darker. Like when I wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning, it's now dark versus in the summertime when it was bright. And then at the end of the day, a few weeks ago, we had our last 7 p.m. sunset. So now all the sunsets are going to be earlier. So we're going to have earlier sunsets before 7 o'clock. And that means it's going to get darker. And then in about another month, we set the clocks back. So when daylight savings time ends, you set the clock back, it's going to be pitch black at like 5, 6 o'clock for at least the first few weeks. And that's how you know falls here. Yeah, unfortunately, the days are getting shorter. But hey, that, that's just how it is. We had our summer. So now time to jump into the new season. And with new season comes new food. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we are going to see this year that's going to be different because we are still in a pandemic year. But one of the things we start to see this year is more of the activities that were pre-pandemic are starting to come back. For example, last week wrapped up the Feast of San Gennaro in Little Italy. So that got canceled last year. They brought it back this year. And EarthCam has that camera of Mulberry Street. So I checked out the camera to see what the crowds look like, and it looked pretty crowded. It was busy, and it was active. Pros and cons, obviously, because you are still in a pandemic year, but at the same time, you want things to get back to some level of pre-pandemic normalcy. Another thing that I heard about was the Village Halloween Parade that takes place in New York City that's back on this year. There was a period where they raising money and they were concerned that they weren't going to have enough money and then a donor came in and provided the funding for the parade so that seems like it's going to be back on this year macy's has already announced that the macy's thanksgiving day parade will be back in full force this year with of course safety protocols in place and they'll be working with the city and the state to make sure everything's safe that of course leads us into the christmas holiday too and what Christmas will look like. I would have to believe that the Rockefeller Center tree lighting will take place as usual, but whether or not they're going to allow spectators, I mean, the assumption is that if they're able to do it for Thanksgiving, they may be able to do it for the tree lighting, but I guess that's going to really depend on on the safety protocol and where we are at that point in time. But hopefully you start to see at least after dealing now 18 plus months into COVID, things looking like they're a little bit back to normal. You know, unfortunately, there was also the bad news that came out the other day that I think we're now at about 700,000 people have died, I think, in the U.S. from COVID. I think 700,000 is U.S. and not like worldwide. I think worldwide, the number is bigger, but 700,000 in the U.S., so that is a very sad figure. But it is on the positive side to start seeing as we head into the holiday season that we are starting to see some of the activities and some of that normalcy that we used to see, and that provides a little sense of hope. Yeah, absolutely. It will be good to see things start to hit more of a norm, but I think time will tell. I know we had like the Delta variant previously. Things were a bit more normal than there was Delta. Now things are starting to look better again, so hopefully we're not stuck in some sort of infinite loop for all of us. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just exercising that due care, exercising that due diligence, taking those safety precautions, doing what you need to do to keep yourself safe. And that applies to everyone. And then just, you know, we're taking it a day at a time, step at a time, and hopefully we will get past this latest round of a surge and start to see things improve again. And we can kind of stay on that positive track. Now, heading back into fall, Are you into like a lot of those fall drinks and foods like pumpkin spice lattes and apple cider donuts and pumpkin donuts and all that sort of stuff? I wouldn't say I go crazy over it. I mean, if it's 
there, I may get it, you know, pumpkin spice latte, maybe if I'm just in the neighborhood and I really need something to drink, maybe I'll get something like that. The food, I don't really know. Would I really care to get a pumpkin spice donut? I don't know. Maybe like a like a pie or something like that, like a sweet potato pie, maybe pumpkin pie, things like that. I think that would be fine, more like dessert type. Right. Now, you were talking about the different foods as we head into fall. Do you have anything in mind that you might be thinking of preparing as we are now in fall, cooler weather, maybe things that are seasonal or things that you haven't been able to do during the summer months that you are now thinking of for fall and as we head into to winter and the holiday season? I think I did a good chunk of that last year around the same time. Right. Creating some pies and doing different things with apple or sweet potato, things like that. But I haven't really thought about it yet. I think probably within the next couple of months, I'll think about it a little bit. Weeks, actually, not months. A couple of weeks, I'll think about it a little bit more on what am I craving. I think when you start watching TV, you see the commercials, then you sort of start getting ideas of what do you want to eat, what are you craving, things like that. So very visual, right? If I see it, I may really want it. And at that point, I may choose to make it over, over the weekend. Right. Now, what about things like coffee, for example? Do you do any of those seasonal coffees for this time of year? Or do you just kind of, you know what, it's not a big deal to me? It's not a big deal for me anymore. I, I would have said 10 years ago, I would be doing that. Now, I'm just good with my regular coffee. I would be down for like a uh, spiced apple cider or something like that, making that right. on the side or, or having something there just because it's nice and warming for obviously once right. it gets a bit cooler right now, we're still going back and forth between warm and cool, warm and cool. But definitely once the fall weather truly kicks in, it's cooler. I'd like a nice apple cider or a spiced apple cider or spiked apple cider, things like that. Right. Different variations there. Yeah, I mean, this is that time of year where you know you go into stores and you start seeing the fall menus or if you drink coffee and you get the K-Cups, you'll see like the Starbucks brand and the Dunkin' brands and you'll see all the special pumpkin-flavored coffees and all the seasonal coffees. I mean, Starbucks, I think now it's usually like the pumpkin spice latte and I think like Dunkin' Donuts does something like that too. And then you'll have like in terms of the packaged coffee, they'll have like the seasonal fall coffees and the Thanksgiving blends and the Christmas blends. You know, I definitely like to have some apple cider, have some pies, like the pumpkin pies or the sweet potato pies during this time of year. I know Entman's, I think last year I saw that they have the pumpkin donuts and then they have these apple cider donuts that were pretty good. Before the pandemic, I would go to Bryan Park Winter Village when they set up and stop by one of the shops where they would have the fresh apple cider donuts and get some of that, sometimes getting a hot apple cider from one of the the shops as well. I think I saw yesterday because I was looking as I was doing the Earth Cam thing, I saw they have a webcam of Ryan Park, and it looks like they stripped the grass that they had, the, the greens for the summer. They've taken that away now, and I believe they're prepping now for Winter Village because usually Winter Village opens around the end of October at Bryan Park. So my thinking is they're probably now starting to prep that because it takes several weeks for them to build out the shops and also the skating rink. And then eventually they'll have a tree there. Although last year, I don't know if they had an actual tree. It might have been last year. I don't think they had a actual large dedicated tree. I think they just had a bunch of smaller trees set up. And who knows, because usually they have a tree lighting ceremony at Bryan Park as well. But again, because of the pandemic, safety protocols and all that, they weren't able to hold that type of event. So maybe this year that may change. Although, again, from a safety protocol standpoint, it's one of those things that they have to figure out how to do that safely. But, yeah, I mean, this is that time of year where I think it's nice to have some of that stuff, but you can also only have so much of it and so many different varieties. Like, I don't go crazy with all these other sort of things. Like, maybe I'll have the occasional pumpkin spice latte but i'm not into like all the different sort of like pumpkin flavored coffees and all that sort of stuff i will stop by starbucks occasionally and maybe get the christmas blend when that comes out the thanksgiving blend if that's available and whatever other fall blends they might have but that that's pretty much about it that in terms of what i'll do 
Yeah, I, I think once you've done it so many times, you tend not to have that type of interest anymore. But just getting a little bit here and there and not overdoing it, I think, is generally the way to do things now. Right. So let's stay on this kind of seasonal thing. And when was the last time that you've taken a vacation where it was truly a vacation? It w- and what I mean is sometimes when you go on vacation and you're traveling, that doesn't feel as much of a vacation because you have to plan your trip very precisely because you have a fixed window of opportunity to do things. Like if you're going to like Disney, for example, you know that you're going to be there for five days and you only have five days to do all the parks. So you cram it in that you're going to get up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. in the morning and then you won't be back to your hotel until like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And so eventually it doesn't become a vacation. When was the last time that you taken a vacation where it was just truly more like a staycation where you really don't have anything specific that you have to do? You can just relax, but then you have time to do other things that you want to do. Yeah, I would say, I forget if it was three or four years ago. I want to say it was three Actually, no, maybe four years now because we're in 2021. So, you know, with all the COVID, it was hard to kind of remember what year was what. But the last one I would say is when I was in Dominican Republic. And that was just really to truly relax. I was in an all-inclusive resort. And, you know, all-inclusive is really just package deal. You're in a huge resort. Everything you're eating, drinking, it's been prepaid for as part of the whole package. So no matter where you go, uh, in, within that resort, it's been already paid for. You're not taking out your wallet or doing anything like that. Right. The most you're doing is you are still tipping. So if right. you're Gratuity. dining in, you're still tipping, things like that. But for the most part, there was not anything truly planned. It was, well, just go around the resort, hang out, go by the beach area, and sit there, have some drinks, have some food. And just enjoy the entertainment. Usually at night, there would be different types of entertainment that would be scheduled by the resort. So it's right. your choice. You want to attend whatever event it is that they have. Or you could just choose to relax by the beach and do what you want to do. So I'd say that was my last one where it was truly, yeah, just lay around, enjoy, not planning anything, just sort of seeing whatever comes up. Do I want to do it? Don't I want to do it? And that was really it. I think I was out there for probably, I want to say it was around seven days or so. Coming back, yeah, it was nice and relaxing. And, of course, then you go back to work and right. everything else starts from there. But, hey, that was the point, right? Just to get away, relax, reset, recharge, and then get back to it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I did this a couple of weeks ago where... In the last 18 months, pretty much, like last year, I had vacation time, and I took a few days here and there, and some of the days are in the holidays. But the holidays, it's a little bit hard because sometimes it's not really vacation either because you're planning for the holidays. So about two weeks ago, I just took a week off. So in essence, adding the weekends, and it was nine consecutive days of a staycation. I didn't travel anywhere. I wasn't doing anything specific, but I had some things in mind that I wanted to do. So the way we kicked it off is that Saturday we recorded an episode of the podcast. We talked about Little Island a while ago, the floating park. So I finally went out there for a couple hours. And it's the first time in 18 months that I've actually shot a video because I was debating whether or not I just kind of go there, walk the park and look at it or bring a camera out and maybe do a little filming. So it was kind of fun to get back into that because I haven't done that in such a long time. So I took my camera out walked around the park, did some filming. Unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of activity because I went early in the morning for just a couple hours and just kind of walked through. Because again, from a safety standpoint, I didn't want to go during a period where there was a large crowd of people. So I was just trying to get around there, do a little filming, edited that video to to post up. I recorded my other podcast, Road to 20, did an episode of that. And then the rest of the week was really just getting some stuff done, but just really relaxing and just enjoying the time. And it was probably also the most exercise I've gotten in the last 18 plus months because typically I used to have something around like maybe eight to 10,000 steps a day. And now it's like eight to 10,000 steps a week. And I'll go out like once a week 
or maybe if I have to go up to the office for a couple of hours, it'll be twice a week that I go outside. So this is the first time over nine days that I went out about seven of the nine days, short trips, very targeted trips to do specific things so that I'm not just out and about. It was very different because normally if I had taken this sort of time off any time before the pandemic, I would either be traveling or if it was a staycation, I would actually be doing things over the course of the day, different activities. But because of just COVID and just being cognizant of the safety protocols, I was very limited as to what I would do. I mean, one thing that we said we wanted to do at one point was the edge, which is that new attraction, go up to the top of the building and walk out to this all glass platform. And, you know, that got canceled last year because that was at the peak of COVID. And then every year for the last six or seven years, we would do the auto show. And we didn't do that last year because it got canceled. This year, it got moved to August and then it got canceled right before because that's when we had the surge with Delta. So some of those activities that we normally would do, we didn't do at all this year. We haven't had any direct interaction outside of, I think, once in the last, well, a few times in the last 18 months, but most recently a few weeks ago. And other than that, you know, we've been recording remotely. We have been on video calls, on text messages and all that, but not really doing anything else. So a lot of it changed since the pandemic started. But it was nice to have those nine days because they were very relaxing, very calming. And it kind of grounds you again to say, okay, these are the things that you're missing out on when you're dealing with, you know, the day-to-day affairs, when you're going to work and dealing with personal, home, work, all that sort of stuff. And it's nice to just kind of come back to earth for a little bit and say, hey, these are all the other things that are going on around you that you don't want to miss out on. And now that we head into the holidays, it's so important because the holiday season is that time where you want to be celebratory. You want to be close with people and interact with people. And so there's that level of importance. And so when you are able to take some time off and see that, then that's, that's also very important. So I think it was just fun to have those nine days off and not really have any specific things that had to be done, but just be very casual about it and just kind of enjoy the time off. And that helps to, you know, when we talk about physical health and mental health and all that, that that circles back and says, hey, these are these are important things to take care of yourself and to make sure that you feel good, you're relaxed and you're calm and you're happy. So I think it was nice to be able to take that break. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good idea. Again, everyone has different ways to reset, recharge themselves. And sometimes the best vacation type thing is really doing nothing. And just being able to relax and just take in everything around you and not have to worry about all the little bits and pieces of I need to do that, I need to do this, and just relax and enjoy. I think a lot of us tend to forget that, right? That you need to enjoy a little bit as well in life because we get so wrapped up with mostly work, right? It's work and things you need to get done around the home. And it's just nice not to have to do any of that sometimes and just sit there maybe on the sofa or watch some TV and just do nothing, really. And that's not productive, but it's productive for your mental health. Right, exactly. Now, you got to do some something fun a couple of weeks ago, too. You got on a boat. We're not talking about like a cruise. We're not talking about a yacht. We're not talking about the tour boats. We're talking about one of the it's like a fishing boat. Yeah, fishing boat. So why don't you share a little bit about your experience and what you enjoyed from it and what you might not have enjoyed about it. Yeah, it was more like an all-day type event. And to go into why it's really all day is that first you have to, well, one, get the boat. Because if it's not something where you already have it in the water, you're keeping it out all the time, you're storing that boat somewhere. So it was a matter of we had to go get the boat, get it connected to the car. Now from there, get it to where we were going, which was Captree State Park, which is out in Long Island. And specifically there because they allow you to do fishing out there. So once you get the boat into the water now, you have to go through the areas where there's still homes and it's a, what they call no-wake area, meaning you can't just speed through there. You can't be running the engine at full You have to go really slow there. You're pretty much just gliding on water at that point for a good 
maybe 10 minutes or so until you get out truly into the water. And then from there, you could really start moving much quicker and getting to where you want to go. And overall, I'd say it was, it was a fun experience. You're you know, out in the water. It was a nice day that day. It was sunny, wasn't humid at all. It was just that perfect weather day. So we did do some fishing. We also tried to do some crab fishing. I guess I don't know what you call that, but try to catch some crabs and things like that. We weren't too lucky in all of that, but overall, it was just the experience being out in the water. And prior to that, usually when you're going out, you want to prepare yourself for food, drinks, things like that. So definitely brought a lot of refreshments with me. So I had water, Gatorade, coconut water, just because you want to stay hydrated. But obviously, you don't want to drink too much too fast either, because when you're out in the water, there isn't anywhere to go to the bathroom, where you'd have to get back to someplace and dock before you can use the bathroom. And then for food, it was really just sandwiches. Put together some quick cold cut sandwiches, had ham, turkey, cheese, you know, and you just have all your fixings of a sandwich so that you could just eat slowly and eat little by little. You don't want to have a full meal when you're out on the boat because there were waves that day. So as you get hit by those waves, eating plus being on the water with heavy waves don't necessarily mix. Now, I have no issues generally on the water. I don't get seasick or anything like that. Nor did I when I was eating. But again, you don't want to eat a full meal because if you were to, it might not go too well. Because if you're that full and you're now hitting all the waves, that level of jolting your body, I'm sure, will cause something to happen there. But overall, that was the experience. We actually got to see the sunset, which was great. It's an awesome view. I showed you some of the pictures and videos that I had from there. And you could tell it was just, you know, it's a breathtaking view of it, especially when you're out by the water. It's always different. The sunset is different when you're just looking at it out your window, maybe from the street, if you're at a rooftop, but definitely from the water, it's a different experience. You see the sun glazing into the water, and it's just a, a really nice nice view, relaxing as well. I'd probably say one of the not-so-pleasant ones were that boats generate waves. So it was funny, there was a larger boat that came by in front of us, and we were just sitting there relaxing, and it kind of clicked, oh no, there's a big wave now coming at us. So at one point, there was this really high wave, and we're all just holding onto our seat thinking, oh no, here we go, we're all going to get splashed. Right. And luckily, we didn't get splashed. It just happened to die down right as it got to the boat. It still hit the boat, so the boat did go up and then slam back down. But we were thankful that we didn't get just splashed with water all over. So that was an interesting experience. I wouldn't say it was bad. It was just more of the, oh no, what's about to happen? But we had safety precautions. We had our life jackets, vests on the whole time just in case anything were to happen. Because again, it's a small fishing boat. It's not like a large boat, like a cruise ship or a yacht, things like that. So you have to take those security precautions and make sure you're safe and for me i don't swim so having that life jacket is very very important to have as well as everyone else right so i think overall it was a great fun experience would love to do it again but i think the season's kind of over now it's much colder if you're on the water and post sunset it was pretty chilly so i did have a jacket as well And again, it just goes back to the preparation. You want to have extra set of clothes with you just in case you do get wet or anything else like that. You definitely don't want to stay wet while you're in the water. But it did get a little chilly. Wore a jacket and it was fine. And you you don't realize how much a jacket makes a difference, even though it was like a light light jacket, like a windbreaker. But it definitely made a difference between just having wearing short sleeves and you feel like you're shivering. Put on the jacket, you're definitely much warmer. And... Overall, once the sun set, we just head back to dock. And now you have to reverse everything you just did to get the boat in the water, right? Now you have to dock the boat, get the boat out of the water, reattach it to the car, wash the entire boat just to be sure, you know, seawater, and that will cause rust on the boat, will damage the, the motor on the engine, everything else like that. All of that had to be cleaned out. So that was a good 30 to 45 minute job to do that. And then get the boat back in storage and then head home. So it was a, probably I'd say for me, it was like from 10.30 to 10.30 of a day. It was a long day, yes, 
but in the time for which we're you're on the boat, you're in the water, it's a great time. But with everything, there's always work, right? You have to yeah. get everything set up and then break everything down. I know when I was telling you about this, you say, wow, it's like setting up for a podcast. It's like, yeah, you got to set everything up. Then you do, do your thing. Then once you're done, you got to pack everything back up. And then you could go on with everything else. But yeah, that was my day pretty much. Yeah, I mean... The waves part reminds me of a number of times when we took the waterway from the World Financial Center over right. to Jersey and back. And on the days where the water was very choppy and they cut off their engine as maybe a boat's going by or they have to dock, you just kind of get thrown felt, left yeah, and right. Yeah, exactly. You, feel like, you felt it rocking. So definitely when you're on the boat, you always want to hold on, right? You don't want to right. necessarily just not hold on to anything while you're standing right at the corner of the boat because you never know. It will rock, yes. And even the docking piece, I, I think a few of those times where they're slowly going in, but then the wave hits you and you just right. slam right into the dock much harder than you would normally. Yeah, and it even happens with cruise ships because I remember when I was doing the cruise to Alaska, there was one night, I think, where the water was really choppy. And so as you're walking through the ship, you're literally, you feel yourself moving left and right. So you're not walking straight. You yeah. feel yourself shifting. And at night, you know, it's the same thing because the hangers in the closet are rattling all night. And we had to take the hangers off the bar the in the yeah. yeah in the closet because what was happening overnight is it would go da 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 And it'd keep doing that because that night I remember lying in bed and feeling the boat go left and right or the cruise ship go left and right, right. left and right. And... Yeah, eventually you can become nauseous, especially if you just ate a big meal and you're going through that. But there was one night where it was really choppy. But I do like, especially at night, when you get out on the cruise ship and it's cool outside and you're watching the sunset and you're moving just really slowly so you see the moonlight glistening over the water. So that's one of the things that are really great about taking cruises is that nightlife, especially with the trip to Alaska. We went from Vancouver to Alaska and back. And when you cross the inside passage, there are a couple of days where you're just on the boat. You're not docking at all. So it's nice to just see, you know, just stay on the boat so there's no activities. So you're just doing things on the ship. But then to be able to spend some time at night to go outside and watch the sunset and watch the rock formations and the little islands and all of that and just kind of take that in because it's just really relaxing. It's very soothing. And it's just something that you don't normally see. Because in the city, for example, if you hop on a waterway or something like that, or even on a boat, you see New York and you see New Jersey, and you see buildings, and you see other boats. That's what you see. But you also have I'll dirtier water, right? For, for that right. one, it's a dirtier water where I was out. I think it was, I guess it was the Atlantic. You know, it's much cleaner, and it's refreshing. It's not nasty water that generates bad air, things like that. Right. It's a calming one, and it's clean. I think that's what yeah. the key is, too, when you're out on those cruises, where you're headed to, you're, you're out by cleaner water, and things are calmer out there, and that's why you're able to take in everything else, really, at that point. Exactly, exactly, because you're not doing anything else. You're on the boat, so there's only a handful of things you can do, and when you get to nighttime, if you're not attending a show or something like that, then all you have to do is stand outside of the ship, and just enjoy the view. I mean, even when you travel, for example, a lot of times what happens is you're spending your entire day traveling and doing activities and visiting places, then you have dinner, and then you get back to the hotel and you sleep because it's been a long day. So you don't have that opportunity. Like if you go to Arizona and you go to the desert area and you take a look at all the formations, then it's a really nice view. It's something that you want to take in. And a lot of times you don't get a chance to take that in during all hours of the day because you're busy doing things. So it's always good to kind of take that in. Right. Same thing exactly. with the, when you go to Canada, the snowy mountains, especially if it's at the right time of year, to just be able to take in those views because you don't get to see it. Like in New York, you don't get to see those sort of formations. We don't have that in this area. You have to go further upstate, and then you might see some of that. But down here in the city, you're not going to see that. You see buildings, the big, tall skyscrapers. That's... Pretty much what you're going to get to see. Right, exactly. You just need to take it in. I, I remember in my last trip down to Miami, we took a drive to the Florida Keys and tried to hit as many of the islands as we could. But we just drove slowly, right? Just heading 
to the Florida Keys, you're going across bridges and you just get to take in the views just getting there as well as coming back. Things do look different between the daytime and at night. But again, it's just that relaxing time that you just get to just enjoy, take everything in. And you're not really worried about anything because, well, you're not rushing to get anywhere. You're just driving through and that's it. Versus when you're here, you're just rushing to get wherever you need to get to and you, you forget about everything else around you. Right, exactly. So I think the bottom line here is take time for yourself. Take time to appreciate things that are around you. Stop and smell the roses. Stop every so often to see what's around you. Take that all in because you don't want to miss that opportunity. So I think that's the bottom line when it comes to what we're talking about here. You know, just like as we started this, talking about the seasonal changes and how the sun shifts. If you take the time to watch that, you'll see what we're talking about. And you start to get that experience where over your lifetime that you know those seasonal changes are happening because you've experienced it before. And so there's this familiar feeling when that time comes that, oh, yeah, you know it's that time of year because it's changing. And that's when you realize that, yes, you've been paying attention. You're noticing these things. You're not stuck in a little bubble when it comes to life in general. You're starting to expand to other things and to open yourself up to to those possibilities yep and then you'll know when winter's here as well (laughs) yeah exactly all right so let's jump off of fall and taking time for yourselves and let's talk about microsoft surface event that took place a couple weeks ago in terms of what you saw was there anything that really stood out i mean the first thing i'm going to start off on i'm going to start off on the lowest tier is surface go 3 It's really not a very powerful device, and it runs in Windows Home S mode. So, I mean, that's more of, I think, like a recreational device. It's not really going to be... I don't even compare it to something like an iPad, because I just feel like the iPad has a lot more power and a lot more capability. And something like Surface Go 3, it's kind of like a stripped-down, because you're running a stripped-down version of Windows, that it's just a very low-end... I guess I would compare it to something like a netbook you know, running a netbook. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think the event had no real wow factor to it. I'd probably say there were a couple of takeaways that I would say, oh, wow, these look interesting. One would be the Surface Duo 2, which is their phone that opens up into two screens. And that that looked pretty cool, but I've already got a phone, so it's not like I'm going to switch over to that necessarily. But again, a Windows phone, I've had that before and hasn't always been that great, but it's getting somewhere, having something like that. And then from the actual laptop devices, I'd say the Surface Laptop Studio actually did look pretty impressive. There is the studio mode. And if I were to get a Surface, I'd probably get that device. But again, that's probably their most powerful device, uh, latest technology, and probably the true pro line of everything. That would be the one. And that's Pretty much why I was at the end of the presentation as right. well. It's that, the, that was it's the big the first one to new announce. product that they have, right? Exactly. So, if there was a device, I would get that. I do like switching into studio mode from a laptop. That does look like a perfect two-in-one type device. Where, as a laptop, it's solid just because it is fully connected, just like a regular laptop is. Not like the standard surfaces where it might have a, a weaker keyboard and it's not really as sturdy overall but still having the capability of moving that screen so it's completely flat, that was uh, definitely a feature that stood out to me, as well as their, I guess, their upgraded pen with the haptic feedback, and it gives you that real life, like you're using a pen or pencil. Right. So I think those were probably the items that stood out to me. You do have a lot of Surface items (laughs) that were coming out, but... Do they all really stand out? No, but I think it really depends, again, what you're looking for in a device. But they right. covered it, yes. But yeah, they I covered think, a full spectrum, pretty much, yeah. of what you could possibly need and want. Right, but the event as a whole felt very slow-paced. I felt like right. I was getting a bit bored watching it. I know that they tried to show some demonstrations. Some of their promos weren't very entertaining. If you compare it to the Apple event, which I don't necessarily like to compare it, but if you look at it, they weren't just in your face. The promos were just very dull. 
I guess if there was any word I could use, very dull. There wasn't anything that was just like in your face and saying, hey, you should buy this for these reasons. Right. It was just dull, plain, and there was a lot of, I feel like there was a lot more talking before the demonstrations to try to get into why, but I think there was too much of a backstory there. And it just got pulled out and drawn out too long that you kind of lost the idea of, well, what are you trying to show us now? Right. And yet it still only took about an hour. Right. So I I did see myself fast-forwarding through little bits and pieces of where I was actually interested in. Right. And then backtracking from there if I felt, oh, maybe I did miss something on there. But I'm sure you you went through it a bit more than I did. Yeah, I mean. You have been looking at the surface line for a while now. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said, like, the Surface Go 3 is probably the, the bottom line product because it's not very powerful, so I see that as a recreational device. And at one point, when Surface Pro X first came out, I was interested in it because I thought that might be the next generation of where Microsoft was going, moving from Intel to ARM. But as I look more at it, it's the problem with even Surface Pro X is they don't have a huge library of ARM compatible software. And so what ends up happening with Surface Pro X is it kind of stays at the very bottom of the line too, because it's not advancing. It's not like with Apple where we're going from Intel to M1. So everything has to move to M1 and you see that push. So we have universal apps, we have Rosetta so that you can use apps that are not yet natively compatible. They will work in Rosetta. But with Surface Pro X, it's like, yeah, we have this device. It's an ARM-capable device. It runs a version of Windows ARM, but there's really not anything else built around it at the moment. And so I think that was one of the major complaints when it first came out. I think it remains kind of an issue now in that it's not really something that you feel like Microsoft is really investing in. It's something out there to try out to see if people are interested, but it's not turning the corner. Then you look at something like Surface Pro 8, This is like their line of products that continues to grow and evolve. And so now you have quad-core 11th gen Intel processors. You have a 13-inch pixel sense display, slightly larger than the previous generation. You now finally have USB-C slash Thunderbolt 4 ports. And I think the Surface Pro 8 is the only Surface product. Maybe the Surface Laptop Studio has it, but out of the other products, like Surface Pro X still doesn't have Thunderbolt 4. Surface Laptop 4, which was announced early in the year, doesn't have Thunderbolt 4. It only has USB-C. So now this Surface Pro 8 has caught up with the time. So it now has that latest technology, and it has the ability where you can use more accessories, more Thunderbolt accessories with that. The camera, and this is where they took a little bit of a dig at Apple, because they're talking about the camera, that the camera is centered landscape. And as soon as I heard the you way they that said too, that, huh? I knew that, okay, that's like a, a little bit top. dig at Apple. Yes. Because Apple, the problem, and I do agree, it's fine in portrait mode to have that camera there. But if you use something like the, the new iPad Air or like you're using the iPad Pro, the camera right. needs to be in the center. It can't be on the left or on the right. So this is where it makes a little bit of sense where they have with Surface Pro 8, that camera is in the right place. That's where you want it to be if you're going to be using it in that manner. I'm still not fond of the Alcantara keyboards. I've never used them, but I've read a lot about them because of that fabric. And the big complaint is how dirty it can get because your your hands have natural oils on it. And eventually that ends up on the Alcantara fabric and gets embedded in there. You really can't clean that out. So I'm not a big fan of that. And that's why I like Surface Laptop 4 I don't like any of the Alcantara models. I want to stick with something like the sandstone or the black, only the metal models, because that you can wipe down. I mean, you look at any other laptop, you can wipe it all down. But Alcantara, it's going to seep into that fabric, and you can't get it out of there. When I look at Surface Pro 8 versus Surface Laptop 4, because I've been thinking of Surface Laptop 4 because as Windows 11 comes out on October 5th, I'm thinking I don't want to use my only Windows laptop that I use in a live environment. I don't want to test Windows 11 on that. Because if my other software is not compatible, if something goes wrong, I'm screwed. So I want to have something else to test on. So I had been thinking of Surface Laptop 4. Right now, I just, I can't get my hands on one because the business line has virtually been out of stock. And it's because of this chip shortage that they have. You can get the home edition, but 
I don't like the home operating system. I like the pro operating system. And why would I want to pay to have to do the upgrade after the fact when I can have that all built in? But the one problem that I have with Surface Laptop 4 is it only has a USB-C port. It's not a Thunderbolt 4 port, where Surface Pro 8 has that. But now it has that Alcantara keyboard. And the Alcantara keyboard is in addition to the device. So when you start adding things up, you price it out to almost having the Surface Laptop 4. It just kind of makes more sense. But again, it depends on who you are and what you're using it for. If you need a two-in-one device, Surface Pro 8 makes more sense. If you just want that all-in-one form factor, Surface Laptop 4 makes sense. Surface Duo 2. It's kind of funny how years ago, and you think of Zach Morris and Saved by the Bell, he had that huge phone. And we would be laughing at the fact that, look, cell phones are supposed to be portable. It's supposed to be mobile. It shouldn't be huge. So we eventually get to these smaller phones. And one of my favorites was the Motorola StarTac, little clamshell phone, the telescoping antennas, very small, very portable. And then eventually get to like iPhones where we start to get a little bit bigger now. Even like the iPhone 12 Pro Max, iPhone 13 Pro Max, it's, it's larger, but it's still slim and sleek. It's nothing like a Zach Morris phone. Now we're talking about Surface Duo 2, where now it's going to be this phone that opens up. And, I mean, when I think about that, it's like, I don't know if I would want that as a phone in general. I mean, I guess there are some people who like that design. They want the larger screen real estate. They want that real keyboard or virtual keyboard plus the screen and that sort of functionality. But I just can't see myself using this huge flip-open device. But you also have to... Think about you're able to now use Windows, the Windows OS on there. Would that actually change your thoughts about that? Because versus, let's just say you're out out somewhere and you didn't carry your laptop and something did come up. You have a full-fledged computer in the palm of your hands. It is. (laughs) It's such a tiny device. It's true, but it's not that tiny, right? You have two screens on there. They did demonstrate how they did Teams. You can have... You can see everyone, plus you can share a screen, and you can use the stylus that they have. I think it's the slim one for, for this one. It's a, it's a different stylus than of the, the Surface Pro. If you think about it, if you have the full capability of Windows on there, would that change your mind? Versus, well, you're on your iPhone. You're on a, it's not Mac OS, so you still can't do the full features you'd be able to do on your Mac. But if you had that in your hands... Would that change your mind about having a device like that? You know, I, I, I'm pretty sure my answer would still be no because it's... Okay. Yes. So you have a full-fledged version of Windows running on this portable device. And then you look at the, the price tag, which will be sticker shop because it starts at like $1,500. And it's like, heck, I could have bought, I could just go get a Surface Go 3 then starting at $400 and just use that if I needed to. But <laughs> you have to think about what... But you have to think about this, right? If you're traveling and you don't want to carry your laptop with you, a full laptop, you don't have a book bag with you, whatever, this is right in your pocket. How many times have you been sent a document that you have to review, and, and now you, you would have a device that's much bigger that's to look at on your phone to keep scrolling through yeah. to, to look at that document? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really, for me, I think it would be a tough sell because, I mean, this is why I like having, when I got my 12-inch MacBook, what I liked about it is, it was small, it was lighter, it's only about two pounds. Granted, it's still bigger than a Surface Duo 2. But sometimes you just, at that rate, just want a smaller form factor laptop. But I think, like, still with the Surface Duo 2, I'd rather just, I'll just spend the money, I'll just get a cheap Go 3 or Surface Pro 8 and have that with me, which runs full version Windows versus doing something on a Surface Duo 2. And I just, I don't know if I want a Windows operating system running on my phone anyway. I don't know if, because the other thing is like apps, because I know all the apps that I run on my, on my iPhone. And now I have to go and figure out, well, in Windows, are these apps all available? And does it have that same versatility? Because there is something different about Apple devices versus Windows devices. And yeah, I mean, I do a lot of my primary work on a Windows machine, but there are other things that just run better on Apple devices, on the Mac OS, on the iPad OS, on iOS. So, yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what, what you're using it for, but definitely the $1,500 price tag is going to be like the thing that's the slap in the face to wake you up and say, you know what, at that rate, I'd rather invest the money in a Surface Pro 8. 
And remember, the way they promote is that this is actually a companion to your Surface Pro. So not only do you have to right. t- spend the money on the Surface Pro, but now you're buying a mobile device which has the same price tag of that. So you actually you're actually buying two laptops. Right. Exactly. And it's again, it's it's sticker shock, and it's really expensive to have to maintain that. And I don't like putting all my eggs in one basket to rely solely on that. Now, going into the big one, the Surface Laptop Studio, definitely, I think that was probably the most exciting part of the event because that's where Panos was doing that live demo and just showing you, you know, how it works. And yes, this is a very premium, professional, performance-driven device. It's really, I think, targeted for creatives because when you get it down to studio mode, that's a creative function. The average consumer is not going to be using studio mode. So you have laptop stage and studio mode. Laptop and stage mode, just about anyone can use. But studio is, I think, very focused toward creatives. There were only really two big issues that I had with the Surface Laptop Studio. The first is when I'm watching them make the adjustments, and I'm not just talking about Panos doing it. I was watching other people who put up videos on YouTube when they're moving it from laptop stage to studio and in reverse, that without actually being there to do it myself to really feel how it works, it looked like there was some amount of energy that you had to put in. There was some resistance to it, which makes sense. But what I'm worried about is how durable that is. It's a moving part. It's a constant moving part. We know that like laptops, when you constantly open and close the lid, that those hinges can be affected. So this is not a, it could be a hinge type system, but it's probably more like a latch modified hinge type system in order to move like that. So my question is, how durable is that? You know, has it been tested to see at what point in time something's going to give way? Right. And also, in terms of that track, what's that made out of? Is that plastic? Is that aluminum? Is that some type of metal? Because the more you go up and down, number one, you have to worry about, is it at some point going to no longer operate smoothly? So you have to use more energy. Is it going to give way? Is something going to break off so that at some point this thing is going to just give away? So that's the first issue. The second issue I have with it is that cooling. Because when you look at it, it looks like a laptop sitting on top of a giant heat sink, external heat sink, which makes it extra bulky. And I'm sure that there were some sort of design considerations that they had to figure out how to do that. But it's one of those models where I just think that it just really looks so extra bulky than it needs to be. So it's like having a huge MacBook on top of an additional heatsink at the bottom. And it just it doesn't look very elegant. It doesn't look very clean. I understand that that's probably because of the power and the ability for it to switch modes from laptop to stage to studio that maybe they had to add that at the bottom in order to have the cooling. But it just really looks so bulky. That that's like right. one thing I didn't like. Well, I think the consideration there is that this is a studio level quality device. So it's not really that portable laptop that you're necessarily looking for to carry it from place to place. Right. But I think this gives the opportunity for probably a studio type designer where they don't necessarily want to carry something huge with them. This just gives them an alternative that's a bit more portable, still powerful, but it's really not meant to take the place of just your standard laptop, which is the whole point of portability, weight, size, things like that. So I see this more as that industrial level type device where, yeah, they've given you a smaller one, but it's not going to be light and small. You have to take that consideration of this is the type of work that person's going to be doing. So they do need something that might be a little hefty, but hey, at least they can carry it around with them. Right, and I think Panos had mentioned that it was something like a cross between bringing Surface Book to Surface Studio, the two, because Surface Studio was that big desktop that they had right, that kind right. of could move back and forth. So just now creating a laptop form sh- factor. It shrinked it, right. right. So you, you have to give up something to right. get that. And just talking about the weight, the Core i5 models are about 3.83 pounds, and the i7 are 4 pounds. So it's kind of like the old-style laptop. So it's a little bit heavier a little bit bulky. They do talk about the hinge. They say it's a dynamic woven hinge made of woven fabric with embedded cables that can bend 180 degrees. So I think it's just a question of, again, that durability. How durable is it? And what will be the break point? 
for something like this. Granted, it's not like super bulky, but I think when you look at the image from the side view, it just kind of looks odd that it literally looks like having a laptop sitting on top of an external heatsink. And again, I'm sure there are design considerations. I'm sure if Laptop Studio is successful, that the second generation may be it'll, even it'll improve, exactly. Right, they'll it, find ways to, it only to make gets it better. better. But, I mean, 14.4 pixel sense flow display, so you have this very large display. It's got a lot of power, and it's going to run Windows 11. I mean, the current models that are out are going to run the home edition of Windows 11. And I think I noticed with Surface Pro 8 that the business editions won't be available until early 2022. So it looks like, given that the form factors are the same, the only difference with business is the operating system. I think it's really a matter of right now that chip shortage, what supply they're going to have available. Because I think I read something yesterday, like with Apple, that with the new products that were announced, that some people, it may take an extra month before they get their products because there is that delay. So I think we're going to start seeing that a little bit more prominent as people start ordering and they're waiting for the devices that it may take a little bit longer. I mean, like I said, with Surface Laptop 4, the home models, you can find them. But the business models are almost all sold out, and they haven't been able to stock them. There was one rumor that suggested that Microsoft might be waiting until Windows 11 comes out and then release the, the models because that way Windows 11 will be preloaded on the new models that are released or the, the next shipment. So that might make sense. So I'm going to carefully monitor like Surface Laptop 4 to see after October 5th whether or not those become back in stock at the business level because those would have... Windows 11 preloaded because all these new Surface devices that were announced at the Surfaces event will come preloaded with Windows 11 Home. So we at least know that. So in terms of Surface devices, overall, I think the event was okay. There were some updates and refreshes to some of the products. I think Surface Laptop Studio is probably the big thing because it is a new device that they're introducing. Definitely oriented toward the professional, toward creators, not to say that the average user can't get it, but I think, like I said, when it comes to studio mode, it's something that more creatives would be using than the average consumer. But there's a huge line of Surface devices out there, so if you are interested in Surface devices, you can check that all out. On that note, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about on this episode? No, I think we're all good. Okay, so then on that note, thanks for listening to the David Ross Show podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Audible, Mixcloud, and Verbal. You can also follow us on Instagram at The David and Ron Show. Until next time, we'll talk to you then. Thanks so much. Thanks, bye. everyone. All right. Bye, everyone.